Hi, my name's Katie. I'm a certified life coach, mother of four, prince, lover, and seeker of joy. Every week, I'm going to give you tools, tips, and tricks to create joy in your everyday life. Based typically on the law of assumption, but we go through other ways as well. So if you want to experience joy in your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday life, come on, let's go. Hello, beloved. How are we? How are we doing since last we spoke? I hope you been amazing. I hope you've been experiencing all the joys that your heart can hold. I mean, duh, this podcast is create your joy. And why wouldn't I want you to experience joy? Everybody should get to experience joy every day in the little and big things, right? So let's jump into the soul truth card because I want to get onto the topic today because I can tell it's going to run a little bit long. So the soul truth card, Brianne Hubby, Self-awareness card deck says today, on whom am I placing blame right now? Who are you blaming right now? That's, we're going to ponder that together. So let me flip the card. A person who blames others has not begun their lesson. A person who blames themselves has begun their lesson. A person who blames no one has finished their lesson. Quote unknown. That's what it says. So today's sole action, the verb, this is your aligned action. Take responsibility. On whom are you placing blame right now? Today, free yourself by releasing all victimhood, blame, and resistance. They don't belong where you're going. Only love and courage live there. Make a choice to do it, even if you don't feel ready. Listen to your heart. You will be led. I love how it says only love and courage live there. Because remember, I've talked about in past episodes, courage is stepping forward in spite of fear. I feel fear and I'm going to do it anyway. And so sometimes fear is putting down that blame and offering up forgiveness and not giving people power in your life. I know that's cliche. We say, well, you give somebody else power when they, when you blame them, but you do because oftentimes they're going on living their life. They're not thinking about you and you're over here spun done thinking about all the ways they done did you wrong. And we know, right? That's just your manual or assumption of what someone is doing wrong. And there is no good or bad guy. Everybody's doing the best that they can in the moment. So even if their best sucks, I guess you would say, that really is their best in that moment. So and we're going to get on to that a little bit later. I'm going to discuss that. So that is the soul truth. Journal on that today. Who are you placing blame on right now? Why are you blaming them? How are you, you know, responsible as well? What's your role in this? So that's your card for the day. So today is my daughter's birthday, my Charlie girl. She's 15 today and I cannot believe how time flies. I have four children and of them only one is a girl. I manifested her. I would envision her, what she would look like. I had her name picked out for years, as I did with all my children. And I saw having a daughter with her specific name, because she's named after my dad. Um, I envisioned her when I was pregnant with my oldest child, because uh, my dad had just passed when I was pregnant with my oldest child. So I honestly thought my oldest would be a girl, since my knowing of her was so strong. However, I had 
three boys first. And this is why you cannot estimate the how or the time of your manifestations. They come when the vine is ripe and not a moment sooner. <laughs> anyway, my husband and I, we were so excited to have a girl. My husband has all brothers and I was uh, only raised with brothers. So even though I'm a girl, I had no assumptions or expectations of what a girl should, air quotes, should be like. So it was cool for me. I was like, yay, this is going to be an experience. Well, <laughs> my daughter is very strong-willed and super smart, but she's also very emotional. And while I know that is a rule that I've made up about her, I'm okay with that. I like watching her process her emotions. So when she chooses clothes or friends or items that she would like to experience in her world, she often comes from a place of emotions. I have mainly teenagers, and I'm sure if you have teenagers or had them, you could relate to this in some form or fashion. You've been a teenager, most likely, so you could relate to it too. That was a very emotional time in our experience, right? However, now, my boys are not as emotional. They're super into science, and they understand science and math very well, so they choose to always reference things as logical or illogical. And this got me thinking, how many of us make choices in our lives? Now, I'm not saying like by my kids. No, I don't believe women are emotional and men are more logical. I just find it fascinating to watch what people choose to lean into when making choices. So it got me thinking, how many of us make choices in our lives based off of either emotion or logic? What would you say you lean towards? That's something that you can journal on today in addition to the soul truth. How do you make decisions in your life? Do you go by your emotions? I tend to be more emotional. When I picked out my truck, I told you in past episode, I was like, oh, this feels right. This feels good to me. Where my husband was like, what? Are you kidding me? Give me the mileage. I want to know this, that, the other. I need to know data. So because of this today, I would like to discuss mental balance. And I know mental balance can be cliche or it sounds like some holy grail. I mean, what even is mental balance, you know, on the human experience? We have tons of emotions as humans and we have various perceptions and logic. So how can we even attain mental balance with my air quotes. So I went to the Googles and I was kind of looking to see what they define mental balance as. And I found this example on psychologyspot.com and it defines mental balance as this. Mental balance is a state of well-being that results from freeing the mind of its afflictive and negative tendencies. Realizing its potential in terms of wisdom, compassion, and creativity. It is a state in which affections and thoughts contribute to personal well-being so that we feel full and at peace in order to fully develop our potential. Reaching mental balance does not mean that we will completely get rid of negative thoughts and emotions because in one way or another, we will always be exposed to adversity and problems. Developing mental balance means not allowing these situations to generate so many negative thoughts and emotions that tilt the balance too much and make us feel bad. Okay, so that's what they define mental balance as. They, so summarize, it's a form of fulfillment that when we have circumstances in our lives, we don't um, tilt them or perceive them in a negative 
light to make us feel bad and keep us basically stagnant. So mental balance, I believe it's beneficial because it allows us to come from a growth perspective, right? So creating joy in our daily lives and manifesting what we desire, it requires us to have a growth perspective. I mean, if we're constantly looking down at the ground when we walk, how can we see the environment all around us, right? You've seen videos or you know someone and they're looking at their phone and they walk into a wall or they fall into water or something. It's because they're not noticing what's around them. So mental balance expands the buffet of life, so to speak. Who wants to eat the same dish every day, unless you're my kids and live off ramen? (laughs) So without mental balance, that's basically what you're choosing. Instead of presenting yourself with a buffet of experiences and emotions and thought paradigms, you're like, "Mm, I'm just going to stay in this one groove and just kick it here. And that is not, variety's the spice of life, right? So let's break it down. So emotional. First off, we'll discuss emotions. Now, the emotional mind will bring this. So there's two aspects, the emotional mind and the rational mind. And we're going to go with the emotional first, because we as human beings, we are emotional beings. We need emotions. They're healthy. They're beneficial. Even sadness, grief, all of that. Or we wouldn't have that experience. They wouldn't have even been invented. We wouldn't have those emotions if they weren't beneficial. They teach us something about ourselves. I mean, people who typically don't have emotions are people who have clinical antisocial personality disorders, right? Such as narcissists or sociopaths, things like that. So emotions are good for us. However, we need to reach a state of EQ or emotional intelligence in our lives. Um, I personally believe that EQ is just as valuable as IQ, if not more, because you can be super logical and smart. But if you fly off the handle anytime you don't get your way or you punch walls or name call other people or even yourself, I know people, oh, I'm so stupid. That's not, no, that doesn't serve you. Then how strong are the relationships in your life going to be if you're mentally, I mean, emotionally, excuse me, imbalanced? So I believe we need to give ourselves more permission to just sit with our emotions. That's what I talk about so much on this podcast is we need to be able to just feel our emotions because a lot of my clients believe that if they feel the emotion, the grief, the sadness, the sorrow, the worry, whatever, that they're just going to stay there, that they're going to sit in that forever. And no, it's usually when you accept something and you're not resisting it, that it just flows through you. It's like a dam. If you dam up water, it's going to go around or it's going to get clogged up. Where if you just allow it to flow, it's going to pass through. So I think this is really prevalent in men. Uh, It's more socially acceptable for women to have feelings, but men uh, are encouraged to not have, you know, weak emotions or to bottle that shit up which isn't good because it causes strokes, ulcers, things like that. I've just seen it too many times where men, they bottle that up and then it it manifests as health problems later. And that's not what we're trying to manifest, right? So even we as women, though, we can sometimes get so busy with our children and our partners because we're such nurturers that we avoid our personal emotions and it evolves into shame and guilt. Like I should be doing more. I didn't do enough. And 
that's not good either because when we do that, cortisone can build up in our body and it can cause weight gain and depression. I know that from personal experience is when we tend to everybody else, we start to get resentful, right? And that resentment brings shame and guilt because we're like, we should want to do this. And you get to create whatever you want. And if you want to be a nurturer, be a nurturer. Just nurture yourself too. So some signs of emotional imbalance now, they are regression or regressing. And this can involve temper tantrums, as we've seen, or going into fight, flight, or freeze, as I've talked about before. So for me, this was super common in my past. Anytime I encountered a challenge, I would feel unsafe because of the trauma I'd experienced in my life, and I'd immediately lash out in anger. That was my first emotion. I would just get fearful and immediately lash out into a fight. Or I would become docile and just withdraw completely, and that's freeze. Um, There's another aspect, the fawn aspect, where some people, they don't like to deal with confrontation, and they regress by people-pleasing. So that's another aspect. Uh, Procrastination can be a form of freeze, where you hide in the hopes that somebody will come and save you or it'll go away. I've been guilty of that too. When I was in college, I used to procrastinate on my homework like a mug. And I'd wait till the very last moment because I thought maybe it'll go away. Or I don't know what I was thinking, but that is a form of fight, flight, or freeze. So when this happens enough, we can shut down the nervous system or compromise our nervous system. I know with me, um, I become real sensitive to sound and vibrations. I've noticed this a lot more lately as I've gotten older. For someone who loves music as much as I do, it really makes me sad because the bass in music, I used to buy albums like bass amplified versions one, two, and three, where you just listen to bass. And now even um, bass in like pop music or Some cheesy light FM, you know, light soft rock song can send me over the edge because my nervous system is shot and I need to shut down and it causes severe anxiety for me. So I know I need at that time to go rest, to disconnect from people, electronics, everything. And I need to go get myself centered and be more present in my body. And I've already explained how to do that on previous podcasts where you describe your emotion in the form of a color. Where do you feel it in your body? What does it, um, is it throbbing, dull, get into as much detail as you can because when you get into your emotion describing it, you become the watcher of it and it's less, uh, it like allows it, it's another way to let it pass through. You're the looker at it instead of lassoing it and letting it take you for a ride, you know? So I noticed also that COVID has caused many people I know and a lot of my clients to go into hide mode as well. And uh, the fight, flight, or freeze, freeze, hide, right? They tell me that when they go out that they don't get the same joy they once had. Are any of you like that where thanks to COVID, when you go out, you don't get the same joy you once had and you prefer to be home by yourself? Any of you? Just curious. (laughs) Um, this is fine, you guys, if you actually enjoy being with you. I mean, we have this perception that 
Um, it's best to be out and about doing something and that makes your time more valuable than you staying at home and being quiet. That's not true. (laughs) I mean, if you actually enjoy being with you, there's no hard and fast rule. Who made that rule up that being outside makes time more valuable than being with yourself. But if you're staying home to hide from your life, such as social anxiety, then that can be an issue. And I would encourage you to start a meditation practice and maybe see a counselor, a coach or a therapist to go deeper into the thoughts that surround that experience of why you uh, don't like to be around people. Do you think that they're judging you? Uh, Or just being outdoors, does it make you anxious just being in the elements? What about it makes you feel unsafe? Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Our brain wants to keep us safe. Your brain's telling you, you are leaving the cave. You are unsafe, boo. You need to get back in that cave. And you need to explore why. Why are you thinking that you're unsafe? So... Back to emotions. Basically, when we experience emotional imbalance, be it from anger or a tendency to be passive, it will disconnect us from others and it doesn't allow a fullness of joy to come into our experience. Now, after emotions, there's what? The thinkers, right? So there's people who tend to feel something in their body and then recognize the thought later that's connected to it. I'm like that a lot of the time. But there's other people who push their emotions and or they're not as uh, emotion centric. And they notice their thoughts and they're of the rational or reasonable mind camp. I also call this the logical mind. So people who tend to lean into this style are more focused on, like I just said, thought versus emotions. They want to approach experiences with facts and data. Everything is intellectually processed. This is more um, in the head, like I just said, where emotions obviously are experienced more in the body. And emotions come from thoughts, but we're not always connecting those two. Sometimes we have a thought and we don't realize it generates an emotion for us. And sometimes we have emotions. And like I just said, we don't realize the thought that's connected to it. And that's okay. We can work with both of those. It's just different. You know, it's nothing's wrong. It's just different. So the rational mind, how it functions is it wants to make an informative decision based on, like I just said, data. It's like science, everything. And I know that I've said we're scientists on here and we should evaluate all the data. However, when I say this, I mean, we should utilize this technique when our emotions are overloaded and we need some perspective. Uh, somebody who is of the logical mind, maybe they should lean more towards the emotions and not so much towards data where people like me, I get really into my emotions. I need to look at everything as uh, data that helps me kind of detach and not get so spun out. So you know who you are and you know where you come from. You know yourself more than anybody. So what kind of person would you say you are? Do you make decisions more based off of thought and what seems logical or rational to you? Or do you go from your emotions? That's interesting. And I wonder why you developed that mindset. Do you think it's inherent? Do you think that you were just born that way? Or do you think that you were raised that way? That's something that you can journal on too. So, Back to rational thinkers. 
they always come from a place of intellect, but we're messy ass human beings and we say, think and feel random shit sometimes, all the times, whenever. So you can't always approach the world with a logical view. Besides, everything is not logical. I am a very spiritual person and I don't think spirit is logical at all. At all. I've experienced things that make no sense in the logical, air quotes, world. But they happened and I can't deny it. So not everything is rational. When you hear a beautiful piece of music or have an experience in nature, that's not always rational or logical. So another thing about the logical mind is it can become also, just like the emotional has a tendency, it can become disconnected from others because people who uh, tend to lean towards this camp, they can become rigid in their thinking and develop an all or nothing mindset. If you're not with me, then you're against me. I don't understand how you could think that way. Are you listening to what you're saying? Are you like, where did that even come from? That doesn't make any sense. The rational mind is the one that fosters the confirmation bias of life. Remember, confirmation bias is the thought pattern that only looks for the data that agrees with the way that we view something and discards anything contrary to that belief. So, I I think the best example for me is like a research paper that was just for college. When I was going to make an argument on my hypothesis, I didn't go always look for data contrary to what I was thinking. I mean, I might have done that for one or two paragraphs, but I'm looking for data that matches what I think so that I can be right. And that's another thing. The rational mind wants to be right and seek information versus seeking insight or growth. So after reviewing what both styles are like, emotional and rational, we have more insight on what mental balance is or what wisdom is, basically. And mental balance or wisdom, basically all it does is help us become more self-aware. We realize that, hey, I played a part in this scenario. Just like with our blame card. See, again, bam. How am I, who am I placing blame on right now? So in this scenario, what part did I play? And how can I duplicate this experience if I enjoyed it or ensure this experience never happens again if I didn't enjoy it? What is my role in it? I was watching Gary Vee the other day. I don't know if you follow him. I love him. He's just so nice. And I just, he's a good good dude. But anyway, Gary Vee was talking about how he always blames himself for everything. Even if he got in a car accident, he says, it must have been my fault. I left the house at the, the wrong time when everything aligned for that. He always blames himself. He never blames another person because he thinks it's fucking pointless, which, boom. I mean, you could do with that what you will, but I tend to agree. So with mental balance, we come more from a place of compassion because while we realize we are the main thinkers in our universe, we have no fucking idea what other people are experiencing. And in all honesty, Like I said earlier, everyone's doing the best they can every day. Even when we perceive them as douchebags, I mean, they really were doing the best they could with the tools and info they had in that very moment. Have you ever been angry, so pissed that you could just spit nails? I know I fucking have. And in that moment, I was doing the very best I could in that moment. And 
once the moment passed and I was able to get some clarity, sometimes I have to go apologize for how I was speaking and say, that's not how I want to show up in the world. That's not who I choose to be. That doesn't align with my values. And in another moment, I do better. That's why Neville talks about states. That's all a state is, is moment to moment to moment. This second is a state. This second is a state. This second. We can go through millions of states in a day or as many states as we have thoughts in a day. So be patient with people because you know how many thoughts you have in a day. Everybody's doing the best they can. In another moment, they may do better. In another moment, they may not. But that's okay because you can always trust you, right? And you can always trust yourself to have your own back and disconnect from people that aren't serving your highest and best or the experiences that you want to achieve in your life. So there you go. Now, the biggest asset of mental balance or the wise mind is the balanced mind looks to ask questions. I don't know how many times I can say this. I'm probably going to say this till the day I die. You need to be asking yourself questions. That's why we love the soul truth cards because they do this for us. They help us take a step back from the story we tell and they help us look down on it with curiosity and compassion. What can I learn from this experience? How am I showing up when I experience this scenario? Is this how I want to show up for myself and others? Is this for me? Does this align with my values? Does this align with uh, the legacy I want to leave in this world? Period. We need to always be asking ourselves questions. And when we start blaming ourselves, questions that we can ask is, is this true? Is this true? Is this a hard and fast rule? Who said That's the biggest one I always ask myself is who said, who said this is true? The balanced mind is always seeking growth. The balanced mind is always going to be seeking connection with others because we want to feel that's our primary objective on this planet is to not be alone. I've talked about this before. Any emotion that you break down, any type of fear When you break it down and ask yourself, the biggest question you can ask yourself is why? Why am I angry? Because he said this. Well, why does that matter that he said this? Because it makes him rude. Why does it matter that he's rude? Because people shouldn't be rude. Why is it important for people to not be rude? Because, and you break that all the way down with the whys and it comes out to, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to feel alone or isolated. I feel left out. I feel separated in some way right? But a balanced state fosters connection with others, that growth. While if we are out of balance, which is we lean too much on that emotional or we lean too much on that logical, we experience and create and manifest people disconnect and stagnation. And stagnant, whenever I think of the word stagnant, I think of a dirty puddle or dirty pond, It's just stagnant. There's nothing flowing into it. It's disconnected from a larger body of water and it's just stagnant and builds mold and debris. We want to be flowing because life is fluid. So what are some ways you can foster a balanced mind in your everyday life? Really, I want you to journal on this. When we repeatedly ask this question from moment to moment to moment, I mean, seriously, every day, this is the work. You're going to be asking yourself this every day. How can I foster joy today? How can I foster harmony within today? How can I create balance within myself today? 
we begin to uncover what is authentically joyous to our souls. And I don't mean joyous like, I would like $20,000 in my bank account because to me that means I could do this and do that. No. Yeah, we should get what we want and we deserve to be abundant because we're not doing a service to the world unless we show everything that's possible. But really, like I say, often we want things so that we can feel a certain way. And we don't even really want those. We think that we want those because we're, we should want those. But what's authentically joyous to your soul? To your soul. And once you start asking yourself that question, moment to moment to moment, we can start to look for tiny, tiny ways to weave that into our everyday experience. Well, I'm done today, y'all. I'm done today. I hope you have an amazing week, beloved, whatever you define that to be. I hope that you experience joy, little states of joy all day, every day. And if you're not, if you're in a moment of emotion and turmoil, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Anyway, beloved, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Peace out. Thanks for kicking it with me. If you want, you can reach me by emailing me at katiethejoylady at gmail.com or you can check out my website at www.joyisyourbirthright.com. There, I always have four free intro sessions so we can pick at any limiting belief that you want and bring you some clarity so you can see what the power of coaching can do. So hit me up. Otherwise, have a beautiful, beautiful week. Peace out.